0: Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The third hour of this year program. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be a part of the program. Now, uh, I've been getting this fielding this uh, email from a lot of people getting text messages. Can I really explain the whole ukraine situation um i've done this before but it probably is worth me delving into this once more particularly how is it going to affect us i i have a i've got a theory on uh what probably will wind up happening and i can get into that but first what do I actually think is, how is how is a Russian invasion of Ukraine going to impact us? For those of you who have not heard, the president of Ukraine has informed the Ukrainian people. He expects a Russian invasion on February 16th. This comes from American and NATO intelligence sources. There was a, a U.S. surveillance flight over Belarus and Russia earlier today. I don't think it's a coincidence that his message comes after that flight landed and the intelligence was digested. What the Ukrainian president told his people, or well, actually what I'm telling you, I don't think he went into all the details on uh, his end, was that uh, the Russians are now in attack formation. They have moved missile and rocket batteries and tanks into an attack formation outside of a general massing on the border, but into a position to be able to invade very quickly. And uh, I suspect that we will see the invasion uh, imminently. How will that impact you and me? Not a whole lot, to be honest. There are a couple of things, though, that I would expect to happen. Uh, Just uh, my, my sense of this from prior situations like this is expect gas prices and energy prices to go up. Because in international markets and the like uh, that tends to energy prices, particularly fossil fuel oil prices, tend to go up, probably natural gas as well. If Europe turns off uh Russian gas access, uh, expect thereafter that uh, we will have to pick up the slack. And so you will probably see a lot of uh, increased American exports of natural gas and propane to um, Europe but where you'll really be impacted more than anything else is probably the stock market i would suspect we'll see the stock market collapse and um from there we will see uh stock turmoil probably for a few days till things settle out now uh, i will tell you in, in full disclosure i'm looking off of wikipedia only for frames of reference um it tends to be fairly good on these sorts of things uh, but i've just i've got to remind myself of the of the the land that we're dealing with within ukraine um ukraine was for a long time part of the soviet union and it has most definitely been within the russian sphere of influence the crimea and that area was part of the ottoman empire and tsar catherine uh, the great decided to invade and take over. If you've ever, there's actually a great HBO miniseries uh, starring Helen Mirren uh, about Catherine the Great. And she uh, decided she wanted to take over Crimea. And it was always part of the Russian sphere of influence. The Russians only have one uh, port in the Baltic that does not freeze over. They have a landlocked portion of Europe Near Poland and the Baltic Republics, that is on the um, on the Baltic Sea. Kaliningrad. It is their only port on the Baltic that does not freeze over in the winter. In Saint Petersburg, the Gulf of Finland and the Baltic they freeze, so it's very difficult for shipping. You've got to go in through Kaliningrad. Now Kaliningrad is landlocked uh, between Poland and Lithuania. The only other ports that the Soviets have are on the Pacific. You can get over to Vladivostok, uh, which is not in the wintertime a great place. Or you can get into Crimea. Crimea is a peninsula, the Crimean peninsula that juts out into the Black Sea. The Black Sea flows through the Bosporus and Turkey into the Mediterranean, and from there, the Russians can command a fleet. Now, it's very interesting, and you got to follow along with me here. The Crimea and Sevastopol are owned by Ukraine after the fall of the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union fell, a lot of the Western nuclear missiles owned by the Soviet Union were stationed in Ukraine as the front lines against the West. Ukraine agreed by treaty to give up those nuclear missiles in exchange for Russia permanently uh, recognizing the sovereignty of Ukraine. A lot of good that's now doing. The Ukrainians are now disarmed and ready for a Russian invasion. The Russians took over Crimea a while back. And they've never let go of the region of Ukraine known as Donetsk. It is a there's a city Donetsk, uh, there's a region. It is mostly Russian speaking. You got to remember that with the divisions of Ukraine, in particular, the horrors that they went through in the Homodor of the uh, Ukrainian starvation by Stalin, Eastern Ukraine that allied, uh, borders Russia speaks Russian. Western Ukraine speaks Ukrainian. There really is a language divide within the country. And if you want to see it to a degree, uh, you can follow along the, uh, the, the, the Kiev reservoir and the reservoirs that go down into and flow out of the Crimean area there. There is a natural river barrier that divides the western and eastern ukraine and kiev flows right through it my guess honestly would be that if the russians invaded uh, in a sense the russians would go all the way to the river and stop and divide western ukraine from eastern ukraine and ironically western ukraine would have to be the ones that deal with chernobyl because it is in the west the russians want their sphere of influence the russians want to have an actual connection down to Crimea. Uh, right now, they've got Crimea, but to get there, they've got to go through Ukrainian territory, part of which they've taken over with rebel forces. But it's a um, it's a real issue with the divide there. And it is a real issue that tests Western powers. Now, we need to back up a little bit here because you got to understand the larger play at stake. The Ottoman Empire, yes, we're going all the way back, folks. The Ottoman Empire fell around World War I. After World War I, the British were sent in with the other European powers to play cleanup. And the Turks, under Ataturk, became a secular republic that everybody respected and recognized. And after World War II, The Turks and the Ottoman Empire had been on the side of the Germans in World War I. After World War II, the Americans did a full-court press on the Turks. It was a secular Islamic republic. It was partly in Europe, mostly in Asia. Istanbul is on the Bosporus, and they can control Russian shipping in and out of the Black Sea, the only port of the Russians that is always, in every case, stable. And it's the one that Vladimir Putin wants a land bridge to. And the Russians were beaten to Turkey by the United States. And we established diplomatic ties and we gave them all sorts of resources. We turned a blind eye to the Armenian genocide that the Turks did. And we put nuclear missiles in Turkey. And Turkey became part of the NATO alliance. The Russians got nothing. Literally, the Turks can stop the flow of... Russians through the Bosporus into and out of the Black Sea. Over the last 15, 20 years, under President Erdogan, who is basically a dictator now, the the military in Turkey has become more Islamic. The secular forces tried to launch a coup. He was able to purge them the Turks have become more and more friendly to the Russians. Now, they don't have great relationships with Russia. You do need to understand this, that the Turks committed a genocide in Armenia. Armenia was a Soviet republic. Turkey to its east is bordered by uh, Georgia, Armenia, and Iran, not to mention Iraq and Syria on the south. Georgia, which was an independent republic, uh, had been part of the Soviet Union, became independent. The Russians have taken it over and installed a puppet government. Azerbaijan and Armenia hate each other. Our, Armenia was one of the first Christian nations on the planet. Azerbaijan is Muslim. It has a lot of influence from Iran. They hate each other. They're at war with each other all the time. Vladimir Putin sees it as uh, destabilizing to have them at war with each other and is sympathetic to the Armenians because Vladimir Putin, though raised communist, has Christian sympathies and hates the Muslims. Vladimir Putin hates the Muslims. He hates the Muslims because the Chechen rebels in southern Russia are Muslim, and he hates them. And he is worried deeply that a lot of them went to Syria and got a lot of training and want to come home and cause Muslim insurrection in southern Russia. So Putin has been angling, despite the problems with Turkey, for greater military cooperation with Turkey, in large part because it destabilizes NATO for him to do this. And if he can get Turkey on his side, he doesn't have to worry about going in and out of the Bosporus because Turkey controls it. And it is very difficult for other powers to control it because of Turkey. All of this is a to say that Vladimir Putin's playing a long game, and Western diplomats have been playing a very short game. My guess is that Russia may go all the way to the river and leave Western Ukraine, blow up Kiev, but otherwise leave it alone, cause them damage. Maybe he wants to take over the full thing because he's got uh, natural gas pipelines that flow across Ukraine into the rest of Europe. But the Europeans, of course, they're not going to want his oil. They're not going to want his natural gas if he goes all the way across. They're going to need the natural gas. See, the Europeans, with Russian funding, have been giving up their fossil fuels in favor of solar and wind. Well, it doesn't work so well in the winter. They haven't even built a lot of nuclear power. They've got all sorts of problems. Vladimir Putin has been playing a very long game against the Europeans and the Americans, and he's getting closer to executing the next move on the board which is the invasion of Ukraine. He wants a land bridge to Crimea. He also wants the Turks on his side. It puts Erdogan, the dictator of Turkey, the president of Turkey, in a very interesting position where he can play the West and the East off of each other. Erdogan, of course, has his own problems with the ethnic Kurds. If the United States were to side with them too much, uh, that could create internal stress within Turkey for him. So there are very complicated international maneuvers on, on the set here. But what you do first and foremost have to understand is that in Crimea exists a place called Sevastopol. Sevastopol is a major Russian naval base. It is on the Black Sea. It is the only Russian naval base that gives the Russians a clear path to the sea in the summer, or the winter, or the spring and the fall. And Vladimir Putin would very much like to connect that back into Russia and sees Ukraine as a whole as naturally part of the Russian sphere of influence, Ukraine having always historically been within the Russian sphere of influence, and here comes the West saying, I think Ukraine wants to be with us. And the Ukrainian people on the western half of the river in Ukraine, they have wanted to be with Europe. The question now is whether or not Vladimir Putin will let them be. In the meantime, what you have to worry about is your 401k and price at the pump. Those will be the two most affected Uh, issues if the Russians actually go through with this invasion and it is looking very likely here on Valentine's Day that within two days the Russians will have invaded Ukraine and probably nothing can stop them. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch and you're thinking "Eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets and yes they are an ad. Yes this is an ad but yes I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not qu- cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bowling Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great, and every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's Branch. -Branch B-O-L-L-A-N-D-Branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. The phone number if you want to be a part of the program 87797 Eric 8779737425 Um I I would be remiss if I did not note in large part because I guarantee you're going to hear a lot about it. I guarantee you. I've already seen it. The anniversary of the shooting uh at the school in Florida. And the media today is talking about gun control and Joe Biden's need to get something done on gun control and Joe Biden's failures to get anything done on gun control. And you know, the reality is there's nothing he can do. There's nothing Joe Biden can do. Congress has to act to get something done and Congress isn't going to act. And I continue to have to say, uh, as much as the events were horrific at all the school shootings, and all school shootings are horrific, I do think that we need to be mindful of the fact that uh, overwhelmingly, the people who engage in those shootings, they didn't follow the law to begin with. Short of confiscating guns, you're not going to stop it. And the reality is that you're not going to ban guns in this country because it requires a two-thirds vote of both houses of Congress and uh, three-quarters of the states to agree. And so I personally think we have to think differently in this country about guns. So much of the conversation from the left on guns is done from a standpoint of let's get rid of them when you can't. The genie's out of the bottle and we have the Second Amendment. You can't do the Australian model of a forced gun buyback program. So my preferred solution is everybody get a gun, learn how to use it, arm everybody, require everybody have one, make everybody go learn how to use them properly, and then dare the bad guy to come in the school knowing that everybody else there is going to be armed and can shoot back. Now, I know for a lot of people, that's an appalling idea. I understand that. I understand that when I say this thing, it triggers some people but everyone who talks about gun control policy in the United States of America talks about it from the standpoint of let's round up all the guns. Notice how often as well they talk about long barrel guns. They don't talk about handguns when handguns are the source of most gun violence in this country. So give guns to people, teach them how to use them, and keep each other safe. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the problem we have is a spiritual soul problem. It's not otherwise a problem that the government can involve itself with. There is nothing under the sun that can be done to a broken soul that decides to commit mass violence except healing the soul. And the government is so into separation of church and state and so many churches have abdicated responsibility and they send their missionaries abroad instead of here at home in their own backyard. We got a lot of under souls that are breaking in this country. What we see with the violence in this country is so often uh, souls that are broken. Now, we can't go out and fix all those souls. We're not going to. We I wish we could, but we're not. But in the meantime, uh, letting the good guys have guns, I think, and, and encouraging them to learn how to use them safely would be something. And i got to tell you, I'm not a big fan of guns. They, they scare me. They take lives. I, 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 I know someone who very recently was cleaning his gun and uh, accidentally shot himself. And he, he knows his way around guns. And it was totally an accident. And accidents happen. Um, guns worry me. They do. Uh, And I use them regularly. I know how to use them. Uh, I haven't been to the gun range in a while because bullets have been really expensive and I need to go. Um, They're not something I like having around the house, but I feel at this point they're a necessity. Uh, You call 911 when the guy's breaking down your door, 911's not going to get to you in time. I just think as a nation, there's so much complaining and screaming and fretting and legitimate fear and concern about guns and the conversations about guns. And the media uses tragic anniversaries like school shootings to have conversations about gun control. The reality is the laws in place and the laws proposed did not stop the people who caused these things. So maybe we should start thinking differently about gun policy in this country since we have a second amendment we're not getting rid of. And part of that involves putting guns in everybody's hands and teaching them responsibly how to use them to protect themselves. For my friends in Georgia, some breaking news for you guys. Andrew Pinson has just been named to the Georgia Supreme Court by Brian Kemp. Uh, coming soon to an ad somewhere, I put a clerk from Claren- for Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court uh, for Andrew Pinson, he's on the Georgia Court of Appeals. He'll be replaced there by Ben Land, uh, who had been a Superior Court clerk, uh, Superior Court judge in the Chattahoochee Judicial Circuit. And Pinson was a clerk to Clarence Thomas. Uh, so Kemp arranging pieces on the chessboard in the run-up to the Republican primary in Georgia. You know, one thing as an aside here, uh, and, and hang on on the phone. I'll get to your phone call here in, in a minute. I got a concern. Oh, how do I begin this Uh, without using, (laughs) I was going to say, without using the phrase David French. (laughs) Um, David French, you need to know, is a friend of mine. Uh, We don't always agree. Uh, He thinks that uh, the worst bit of radicalization happening in the country right now is coming from within uh, charismatic churches. And I think it's actually coming from the left um, telling everyone we've got less than 10 years to save the planet. That being said, uh, I think had he not tweeted what he tweeted about that level of radicalism, people might have paid attention to a point he was making, and it's what I've been making. Uh, On the right, there actually is a phenomenon right now that we on the right have to deal with before it costs us dearly in the midterms. There is a growing group of conspiracy theorists on the right who are so very adamant that you either agree with them or else they're going to destroy everything. And they're, they're trying to put themselves in a position of taking the Republican Party hostage. We see it in Georgia, where I am, where there's a group of people committed to an election conspiracy that makes no sense if you actually delve into it. And if you don't agree with them, they would rather get Stacey Abrams elected and burn down the Republican Party than reelect Brian Kemp, who they say didn't do enough to stop the stolen election. When the Constitution of Georgia, they don't seem to realize, prohibits him from doing anything whatsoever involved in an election. There was nothing he could do. We see this in Arizona, where they are perfectly happy to burn down the party because they think Doug Ducey, who's the only candidate, it appears, can beat the Democrats in the Senate. Uh, They don't want him to run uh, because of the election conspiracy stuff in Arizona. We're seeing this around the country where a small group of conspiracy theorists think they can hijack the Republican Party and bring it to its knees and you will either put their candidates in place or you will lose. The problem is that the candidates they want to put in place, all the polls show, will lose in the general election. For example, in Georgia, according to multiple public opinion polls, 49% of general election voters say they are less likely to vote for someone if that person is a strong supporter of President Trump. Only 20% of voters are more likely to vote for that person. And then there's something else. the, The media is weaponizing this phenomenon. So, for example, candidates who are agnostic on Trump The media is reporting on them. This person's not a sufficient humper of the leg of President Trump. What are you going to do about it, Mr. President? Daring to get Donald Trump's ire to come out on this person. So the person has to take a position on Trump. And if they take a pro-Trump position, the media is like, another person comes out for Donald Trump. You can't vote for this guy now. I mean, the media is weaponizing this phenomenon against Republicans. So you do have to be aware of the situation that David French was writing about, even if you don't like the tone about which he wrote it or or the tweets that came with it. The fact is there are a growing number of charismatic churches in the country holding rallies for QAnon-supporting conspiracy theorists who are convincing congregants at prominent churches that engage in voting that the election was rigged, the election's going to be rigged, that uh, Donald Trump is tied to prophecies about the end times. And you got to go out there and support Donald Trump and his candidate, and in so doing, they're alienating themselves from the Republican Party, and they're alienating voters from them, and they're creating a bunch of impassable barriers where people cannot get on the same page anymore because it's either their way or the highway, and most voters are opposed to the candidates they're running and opposed to crazy town. It's just not good. And while the Republicans look like they could be cruising to a major win in November, these people could absolutely be undermining that momentum and that effort by putting up a bunch of candidates that voters in the general election just cannot support. The Republicans have got to be concerned about that. They've got to be concerned about the radicalism, even as I disagree with David and think that we need to be far more concerned with radicalism on the left. It's not to deny that there isn't some level of radicalism happening on our side with people who they, I mean, they're really, y'all, it's kind of crazy town out there. The number of people who come up with prophecies and tie Donald Trump into those prophecies, and try to claim that the end times are dependent on the reelection of Donald Trump, or, or you you want to bring about the, the second coming of Jesus, you got to get Donald Trump back in the White House. It's some bizarre stuff out there, and it's happening under the radar, but it's happening at a growing number of evangelical, I should say evangelical, charismatic churches. Uh, I do not think, however, that it is as large a phenomenon as what David says. Uh, And I'm far more concerned about the coming violence on the left from a bunch of people who think that uh, the world is coming to an end in 10 years unless they stop the Republicans from getting reelected. Now, having gotten that off my chest, I want to go to Berkeley, who's been waiting patiently. Berkeley, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, how you doing? Great. How are you? I hope you're doing fine.
0: I am. Hope Uh, you are, too.
1: Okay. I'm calling you about uh, when you made the statement about the... Uh, Crimea of Ukraine uh-huh. is telling the people to take up, take up arms.
0: Yeah. The, the president there has been opposed to that in the past.
1: Right. Well, that's why our second amendment is so great. We in mm-hmm. there, it says we are the militia. So if we ever got invaded as big as our country is, we have Americans to stand behind our soldiers to help. Right. Amen. So that's what I, that's what I wanted to tell you, and I'm a supporter of Brian Kemp, and I'm a great-loving African-American man of these great United States, and I'm a service member. And I also retired 34 years as a law enforcement officer. So well, God bless you for that, man. I love man. listening to you. No problem. I love listening to you, so I'm going to let you go. I just want the, everybody to know that. That's why the Second Amendment's there for, and they, they are trying to take it away from us
0: they sure are berkeley thank you very much thank you so much i appreciate that phone call that makes my day uh and thank you for your service uh, you know and, and he's right well our militia we have the right to keep and bear arms the ukrainians right now don't I, I wonder if the president of ukraine wonders if maybe he should have supported uh second amendment rights in ukraine i mean obviously they call it gun rights i should say not second amendment rights uh, which he is not um having a well-armed populace, you know, I mean, everyone in Switzerland gets a gun and learns how to use it. And they're all part of the Swiss military. And even Hitler himself didn't want to try to invade Switzerland. It would have been a bloodbath for him. Now, part of the problem in Ukraine, if we're honest about it, though, is that there are a lot of Ukrainians with Russian sympathy. So it'd be neighbor versus neighbor in some sections to the east, but west of the river, Probably not. They're all pretty much in solidarity with Ukraine and and have a history of not liking the Soviets or the Russians. Uh, So there would be some of that. Now, I want to shift gears here. Wow. Um, High school students are throwing out dozens of books written by white authors to decolonize their school library. I'm not going to I haven't heard the audio here. Don't know what the profanity is, but yep, it's a bunch of white students trying to decolonize their school system by throwing away library books. Here we go. Well, now, I want to play for you again. We had a call earlier about this audio, and I want to play for you this audio because some of you may not think this is real. This is a woman in Carol Adams. Carol Adams is a uh, vegan. She is a feminist. She is an animal rights supporter. I play this in part because Charlie was not here last week and he did not get the joy of hearing this woman. But there's something to say about this related to Tim's point earlier about language. The caller earlier, listen to this.
2: Most meat eaters assert that animals oh, are not, I believe we should move beyond all meat. The assumption that the best protein comes from corpses is a racist belief. How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 21st century animal eating requires our complicity in a new colonialism. These events especially affect girls and young women. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes who all just want to have fun. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. Masculinity, a construct of the gender binary facing constant destabilization, feels always under threat. And eating animals is its protection racket. White supremacists weaponized eating meat eggs and dairy and the baiting of liberal men as so-called soy boys are all part of the neo-nazi messaging
0: neo-nazi messaging
2: (laughs) to say you care about animals is considered a sign of weakness in a world still committed to the gender binary meat eaters like anti-abortionists have forgotten that one quality of non-existence is not having awareness about existence when all else fails meat eaters assert that animals are not our equals I heard all your laughter. I know some of these must be new ideas, or you think they're fringe or whatever. Our whiteness is part of the problem of meat-eating.
0: Our whiteness is part of the problem of meat-eating. This clip of Carol Adams went viral because it's so absurd, but there are people like that who believe it. And part of what she's doing is taking words of common definition and importing them to her argument or twisting the definitions of them. Our uh, culture of whiteness has something to do with meat eating. Your hamburger comes with misogyny. It's white uh, oppression and um, white colonialism that have to do with it when actually that historically is not true. The Uh, cultivation of meat and uh, animal uh, farming came from the Indus region in Mesopotamia and the like, and none of this is true. Uh, The original meat-eaters were brown-skinned people from the Middle East whose culture spread over time uh, historically. But it's what the left does. Uh, Like, for example, cisgendered. Cis is actually from chemistry, CIS, is from chemistry, Uh, denoting or relating to a molecular structure in which two particular atoms or groups lie on the same side of a given plane in the molecule, in particular denoting an isomer in which uh, substituents at opposite ends of a carbon-carbon double compound are on the same side of the bond, cis. And it has been embraced by those on the left who would take cis from chemistry and import it to biology and create cisgendered, meaning your sexuality and your gender align. But now keep in mind how once they've established that, that your gender and your sex align, you are cisgendered. Now they say that, well, they said that gender was a social construct, but now they say that uh, sex is a construct as well. Sex and gender are constructs. It used to be that sex was how you were born. Gender is what you decided you were, your social construct. Now they're both social constructs. They continue to twist the language. And we see more and more of this on the left and the embrace of it by corporations in general. Corporations tend to now be run by the wokes. I remember. When Rush Limbaugh uttered his comment about Sandra Fluke, it immediately changed advertising in radio. Until that moment, for example, General Motors would run advertisements on conservative talk radio. At that moment, a lot of major Fortune 500 companies ceased advertising in the conservative space. And a friend of mine at one of the ad agencies pointed to me that it was only a matter of time before this happened. They were looking for their excuse to do it. And they used Rush Limbaugh's comment about Sandra Fluke, whatever, as their excuse, but it was coming anyway. They wanted a way out of conservative media. And so for people who say, well, Rush Limbaugh hurt the conservative radio industry and, and advertising, it was coming anyway. And he's a convenient scapegoat to avoid acknowledging what actually happened. And that is that over time, marketing agencies and HR firms for companies have become very, very progressive. And in so doing, uh, they will perfectly advertise on MSNBC and on left-wing sites like Fox.com. And they will avoid, like the plague, Fox News and conservative news outlets and, and conservative websites because the wokes have taken over. There's a story Bari Weiss has about a woman who ran a market, ran marketing campaigns for Levi's and she's walked away. Uh, She's walked away. Her name is Jennifer Say. She was an Olympian uh, for years has worked with, with Levi's, but she has openly called out schools on school masking policies and questioned COVID policies. And at Levi, the diversity equity and inclusion staff wanted her to essentially go on a listening tour, that she wasn't an ally of uh, Black Levi's employees by some of the things she was saying in her personal capacity. They wanted to censor her, they wanted to regulate her, they wanted to silence her because corporations, major corporations in this country are increasingly going woke because they are not making a choice to cater to the wokes. It is their employees who make the decisions themselves are woke. Almost every major company in America now has a diversity, equity, and inclusion office. It's where the wokes go to get their jobs because they can't find jobs in the real world with their gender studies degree. It's become a thing. And the only way to fight it is to not play the game. But unfortunately, too many Fortune 500 companies are too scared not to play the game, or they are too embedded with wokes where they can't not play the game. It's kind of the state of play here, but you and I shouldn't give into to it. We should continue speaking the truth. You know, one of the truths out there that I've got to continue to speak is that the Eden Pure Thunderstorm continues to be a great product, and they have kept their BOGO deal going uh, this week for you guys to be able to buy one, get one free, so you can see it for yourself. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com and look on the front page, you'll see uh, where you can put in a code. Eric Bogo is the code you want to put in: E R I C K B O G O, and that will take you to the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Buy One Get One Free offer. Put it in your cart at checkout. You'll see the discount code box, and again, put in Eric Bogo: E R I C K B O G O. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier. It cleans the air, it doesn't mask odors, it eliminates odors. It cleans the air, it gets rid of the bacteria, the mildew, the mold you name it the eden pure thunderstorm is a great little product you can hold it in your hand you can move it around your house as you need it you can put it in your car your rv clean the air eliminate the odors don't mask the odors with the eden pure thunderstorm and right now buy one get one free go to edenpuredeals.com at checkout you use the discount code ericbogo this time of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but don't you worry about that. Wherever you are nationwide, if you're a small business, they can help you. They want to help your business grow into a big business. If you need big loans, 750000 and up, reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan. Again, nationwide, they can help you. A lot of banks are telling you no. Uh, they want to tell you yes, and you know with interest rates the way they are right now, if you're interested at all, you probably want to go on and talk to them. That reminds me, uh, I did mention earlier, the Federal Reserve, several of the governors of the Federal Reserve are saying they may need to raise rates higher uh, and front load them than originally expected. Uh, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard told CNBC this morning, uh, he thinks the Fed needs to push rates up quickly, that their credibility is on the line. He says, quote, I do think we need to front load more of our planned removal of accommodation than we would have previously. We've been surprised at the upside on inflation. This is a lot of inflation. Our credibility is on the line here. We have to react with this data. However, I do think we can do it in a way that's organized and not disruptive. So uh, it looks like the markets are expecting 50 basis points. That's a, a half a percent increase, which is probably where it's going to be. I don't think we'll get a whole um, 75 basis points or hundred out of the gate. I just don't see him doing that. Uh, that could cause more harm than good. Uh, that being said, interest rates are going to be going up soon, folks. Uh, in fact, on the out there in the marketplace, they already are starting to do that. So you probably are about to miss your time to refi and things like that. If you don't hurry up and get it done, if you haven't already, all right, uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Who knows what the news will have in store for us on Ukraine and the like. See you guys then it's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates, you got the economy, you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you.